morning, church. So for those of you who don't know, my wife and I get to lead the student ministry here, and what I love about Leif sending a video that he's filming while somebody is preaching behind him is it feels like youth ministry. And, and Leif kind of gives off that, that youthy vibe pretty regularly, and I just, I, I look at that and I was like, that's the chaos that I know right there. Um, excited about what's going on there. Um, just take a minute before I, before I dive into the word. Um, thank you for giving to support uh, Leif, to support uh, Greg's ability to go to Pakistan for the ministry that's unfolding there. Thank you for giving, right? That we're, we get to be a part of this. We have to stay here. We don't get to go there. It's not as fun, but we get to be a part of it. And so thank you for giving. Thank you for giving as the Lord leads. Thank you for giving joyfully and generously. And uh, if you hadn't done so, you could do that now, right? Uh, most, people give on, most people give online. Uh, that's how my wife and I tend to. Uh, if you're a cash or check kind of person, there's a box at each of the doors. Um, but thank you for giving generously and giving as the Lord leads because I get to see a little bit of how those gifts propel the gospel forward. And it's always exciting to see what God is doing. The power of the wind. We've been, uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been in this, this sort of imagery of, of trying to better understand what God the Holy Spirit is doing and what he's like and, and how that unfolds through this imagery of wind. And a couple weeks back, we looked at uh, a story where Nicodemus, this is in John chapter three, Nicodemus approaches Jesus and he's asking questions and Jesus is confusing him. And he says, you, you, you've gotta be born of the spirit. You can't see the kingdom unless you're born of the spirit. And then in John 3, he says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear its sound, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. There is something about our legacy that is incredibly intertwined with how the Holy Spirit is unfolding God's plan on the earth. And so the invitation is lean into that. Lean into what the Holy Spirit is doing because it's the story of God unfolding his good will all over the earth. This morning, I wanna, I wanna look at a, a phrase. I don't know if you're reading in the scripture. Every now and then I'm reading the scriptures and there's a phrase that jumps out at me and I'm like, that's an interesting phrase. God, what are you doing there? And what's that gonna mean for me? Uh, this week, that's in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. And in the midst of a discussion of prophecy, Peter, Peter drops this on us. He says, no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. And I just want to kind of, kind of invite you to consider this imagery of being carried along by the wind of the Spirit that what we do in ministry, what we do as we build the kingdom, what we do as we're living our lives is ultimately in this imagery of being carried by the wind. And you don't know where it's going and you don't know where it comes from, but it does powerful things when it shows up. And it's, it's I think, sometimes tempting for us to consider our relationship with God very personal that's appropriate. God loves you individually, works in your life, fills you up. But today, I just want to kind of step back a bit and go, you know, it's bigger than that, right? Yeah. 
Like it is about what God's doing in your life and it is about how he's carrying you on the wind of the spirit and it is about how he's filling you and using you and empowering you, but it's bigger than that. It's a whole lot bigger than me, folks. I'm a big deal. I mean, honestly. (laughs) But not that big, right? He is so much bigger. And what he's doing sometimes is spanning centuries. And we're just kind of in the middle of it. So I want to take take you to one of my favorite stories. This is in Acts chapter 8. There's this guy named Philip. He's he's one of the first deacons of the church. He's full of the spirit. He serves widows. He preaches the gospel. He does miracles. We love Philip. Philip's amazing. Philip's not the main character of this story. Let's go to Acts chapter eight. I'm gonna start at verse 26. Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a, a desert place. Good guy, Philip, he rose and went. True story, angel shows up and tells you to do something, play along, right, play along. So he rose and went, and on this journey, right, he encounters somebody. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. He was in charge of all her treasure. And he had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, this is one of the most bizarre twists of any story that I can imagine. This is weird, folks. I don't know how many eunuchs you know. I don't know how often you use that word in your day-to-day language. Uh, So I'm going to assume that two or three of you don't know what this is about. I'm going to explain it to you, okay? Those of you that know, you can giggle early. That's fine. I do youth ministry. I'm used to that, okay? So... This guy is a eunuch. That means he has been physically altered. He's lost his manhood. Huh? They didn't see the little snip snip? You saw it though. Yeah, some of y'all are squirming. That's the right reaction, right? This guy's a eunuch. That's, that's unique. Okay, Let's, okay, I'm with you there. Mm. And he'd come to Jerusalem to worship, and I'm gonna pull together why that is so bizarre. Such a strange behavior for him, okay? So I don't know how often you read Deuteronomy, but I'm gonna take you to Deuteronomy 23.1. Let's put it right up there. No one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. They're talking about eunuchs. Literally, what is so bizarre about this guy, he'd gone up to Jerusalem to worship. He's literally not allowed in. He's a foreigner. He's not Jewish. He actually can't become Jewish because he can't be circumcised. Brings us back to the problem. Y'all with me? Right? He like can't convert. He's not allowed in. Like literally, the most he can do is stand kind of at a distance. And I look at that and I'm like, what an interesting thing that this eunuch who isn't welcome, he's, he's just, he's this freak in the story. He goes to Jerusalem to worship. And I wonder what is going on in his heart that he would press in to get as close to God as he can, even though he's not welcome. Yeah. This guy's interesting. And he's coming back from Jerusalem. 
and the Holy Spirit has noticed him. And he's wealthy, right? He's in charge of the treasury of the king, I'm sorry, of the queen, Candace. He's wealthy, but we, we also know he's wealthy because he's reading from the prophet Isaiah. And this is before you could read the Bible on your phones, folks, right? This is before you could read the Bible on paper. This is when scrolls were hand copied on animal skins and that copy of Isaiah he's reading literally would have cost him tens of thousands of dollars. He's wealthy, but he's not welcome. He's an interesting guy. And I look at this and I think, what a, what a curious man to bring into the story that the angel would send Philip on his way and then the Holy Spirit would say, this is in Acts 8, verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over there and join his chariot. This is not a guy Philip would normally hang out with. He's a Jewish guy, usually hanging out with Jewish guys, usually hanging out with men who are fully men. Like, this is weird. And the Holy Spirit says, go on over there. And Philip ran up to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And Philip asked, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to come up with, and sit with him. And suddenly they're having a Bible study. He's reading from Isaiah. We, we now would say Isaiah 53. They didn't have the numbers when you had to turn the scroll like that. But we now have numbers to help you find the particular verses. But he's reading in Isaiah 53. And he's reading about the lamb before the shearers who is silent. He's reading about the one who was bruised for our transgression and wounded for our iniquities. He's literally reading about Jesus. And he asks, he asked him, he's like, so this is the prophet talking about his own sufferings or somebody else's? And Philip's like, let me tell you who this is about. And he begins to tell him about Jesus. And, and, and Acts 8, verse 35, there's this, there's, this little, there's this little moment. And the scriptures often don't give us the whole story. They just kind of hint at it. Philip opened his mouth and beginning with this scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. And one day I'm reading through Isaiah and I read Isaiah 53 and I see there's so much Jesus imagery in Isaiah 53. It is just loaded with Jesus imagery and I'm just having a good time and I'm just, I'm enjoying the word and I flip the page and I keep reading and I read through 54 and 55. I get to 56 and this light bulb goes off as I go, oh, I think I know where Philip went from there. So let me take you to Isaiah 56 Verses four and five. Thus says the Lord to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give you in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Y'all, that's actually one of the best dad jokes in the scriptures. <laughs> like, please don't miss it. It's amazing. I'm looking at this and I'm like, God had a word for the Ethiopian eunuch that he gave to Isaiah hundreds of years before the eunuch was born. 
And suddenly it dawns on me that there are rivers of grace flowing over centuries of time that have flowed together to this desert place. And there is this confluence of power that's about to happen. And we just need Philip to play along. The Holy Spirit has engineered this amazing deliverance for a guy who wants to know God, wants to worship him, isn't welcome, but now has a promise. He's got a place inside the walls. He's got a heritage that's better than sons and daughters. And I look at that and I go, whoa, I have some understanding about the heritage of sons and daughters. And it's an amazing heritage. And I look, it's one that I just... I delight in the fact that God has given me children. And I look at the heritage of sons and daughters and I'm so proud of my kids. And I look at that and then I'm like, this eunuch's never gonna have them. Because he can't, right? Y'all with me? Okay. Thank you. Thank you. And the promise is he's gonna get a name that's better than that. And I look at that and I go, God's been working on this. God's been ready to reach into this Ethiopian eunuch's life for centuries. And Philip, just go do your thing, man. Go run over to that chariot and then do what you do. You're in Isaiah. Oh, we're in Isaiah. Oh, wait a minute. Actually, there's a verse in here for you too. Let me turn a little further to the eunuchs. Because God had a word for him. And I look at this and I I just, I see over and over again that God is at work at things bigger than me. And when he shows up and suddenly this confluence of grace comes together and Philip does his little part, his little part that's been just a piece of the puzzle that is centuries brewing, that, that they're going along the road and suddenly the eunuch's like, what prevents me from being baptized? Y'all, that's a huge, huge transition. He's never been welcomed. He's like, wait a minute. If this promise is for me, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip's like, I can't think of a single thing. Like, honestly, dude, I think you got something there. And they head down to the water and there's a baptism. And I think there's splashing because there's a lot of celebration going on here because he was far off and he was brought near. He was far off and he was brought near. And I look at that and I go, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And and that's why we're invited to be carried by the Spirit. Because when we are carried by the Spirit, people that were far off get brought near and they they have peace with God suddenly. In Ephesians chapter two, verse 17 and 18, he came and preached peace to, to you who are far off, like this guy. And he preached peace to those who are near and through them we both have access in one spirit to the Father. And there is nothing about the Holy Spirit orchestrating that incredibly complicated multiple centuries in time and space and people and and weaving these details together so that at one key moment somebody who was far off could be brought near. And then just for fun, because Philip was being carried by the Holy Spirit, literally the next thing that happens is, he's, is the Holy Spirit picks him up, drops him miles away near Azotus. Nobody knows where he went, like literally carried by the Holy Spirit. Because he had one thing to do. He needed to pull some pieces together because God had been working towards this point for a long time. 
See, sometimes you and I get to play the role of that just one particular little extra detail that's gonna wrap up the bow on the top of a great big present. <laughs> Philip's not the main character of the book of Acts. It's the Holy Spirit. Because he's way bigger than Philip. Philip's a big deal. We like Philip. We do. We like him. But the Holy Spirit was orchestrating something so much bigger than him. And that's what he does, right? Like, he didn't just do that once back in Acts chapter 8. Like, that's what he does. The Holy Spirit orchestrates things far bigger than you or I. And, and it's sort of hidden in plain sight in the scripture, right? It's sort of hidden right in there. So, like, there's stories we know, and then there's like hidden evidence that the Holy Spirit's doing this same thing right inside it. All right, so once upon a time, Jesus was heading to Jerusalem, Palm Sunday, waving the palms, everybody's excited, things are going down, he's about to celebrate Passover, upper room, last supper. Y'all tracking with me, you know any of these details? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Smack in the middle of that, there's this amazing, like, where did that story come from? So we're in Luke chapter 22. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat it. This is the night before he's betrayed. This is kind of a big deal. Everything of the salvation history of the universe is about to come to a head in Jerusalem. The lamb that was slain from the foundation of the world is about to actually be slain. This is a big deal moment. All eyes are on Jerusalem. And Peter and John are like, uh, where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, behold, when you've entered the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him into the house that he enters and tell the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? And he will show you a large upper room furnished. Prepare it there. And they went and found it just as he had told him and they prepared the Passover. Y'all, who's this water boy? And how in the world are they supposed to recognize him? They're in Jerusalem at Passover. There are literally hundreds of thousands of people there. Jerusalem would swell to multiple times its regular population at Passover. They're gonna walk into town and they're gonna find the man carrying a jar of water. The man? There's gonna be a few of them. How does this go down? And I look at this and I'm thinking, somehow the Spirit carries both Peter and John and the water boy to the right, and they meet. And I look and I go, that, that's impossible. Like at some level, that is so unlikely a meeting. And we all read past it like it's normal. Because the water boy's not the main character in this story, he never was except he's actually the key to the whole piece working, right? They don't find the water boy, they don't get the upper room and like, there goes John 13 to 17. Like, <laughs> right, like this is a really important little detail. And that water boy was carried by the Holy Spirit whether he knew or not. And I wonder sometimes, when, he, when he's heading out that day and there was that distraction, and there was that neighbor that talked to him for a while, and then there was that disturbance, so I had to go around the block a different way. Like, I wonder how many just weird things adjusted his route, adjusted the timing 
of Peter or John or the water boy so that they did meet at the same time at the same place. And I wonder how mad they were at some of those obstacles. Because I often don't respond well to those obstacles in my own life. And yet those obstacles were key little details of how the Spirit was just guiding, guiding, just to touch more, just to touch more there. And I chafe at those. I chafe at those little interruptions so often. And then I read the scriptures and I'm forced to confess, God, I, I, I wanna be more like the water boy because I don't know if he complained, but he looks like he didn't. I don't know, maybe I'm giving him too much credit. Guys, that water boy was carried by the Holy Spirit so that Jesus could celebrate the Last Supper with his disciples. And my guess is he had no idea that he was that big a deal, right? My guess is he had no idea he was that big a deal. And yet he was central to the story for just a moment. And then the attention rightfully returned to Jesus as it should. But I wanna be like that water boy. I wanna be like Philip, available to be carried by the Spirit to that appointment. And I look back at my life and I've had a couple of times where I, where I look back and I go, oh, oh yeah, I see what you did there, Jesus. I sure didn't see it ahead of time, but like hindsight, you know, 2020. The Holy Spirit's carried me a few times. So I wanna tell you a couple stories. So back about... Uh, Spring of, uh, spring of 2011, Heather and I were, were, were about to step out. We had felt like the Lord was leading us into a new season, and we'd been in ministry at that church for a while, and um, it was the day that I was supposed to announce to my youth group that I'm leaving, and it was just all jumbled with emotion, right? Like, I'm excited about what God's doing. I'm sad about leaving. It was just all, just all the feels, and, and that morning, I'm, I'm at church, and I know tonight at youth group, I'm dropping a bomb, right? And I know that, and I'm just all, I'm all angsty about it. And, and, and Heather and I decide, we're gonna go to lunch. We're gonna just get out. We're gonna go away. We had, we had already arranged that the, the kids were at the grandparents' house because we were gonna deal with this big issue. And we wanted company because it was a hard time. And we called, called some of our best friends and we couldn't get them. So we decided, you know what? We're just gonna head to their house. Like, we're just, you know what? We're that good of friends. So we head to their house and they're not home and we try to call them again and they're not, we can't get them. And, and so we're on a part of town that we don't normally frequent. And we said, well, I guess, I guess we're gonna have lunch alone. Where do you wanna eat? Now this is, this is 2011. I don't have a smartphone in 2011. Uh, and so I have one of those uh, GPS units and I'm like searching restaurants on it. And uh, Google wasn't as sophisticated then as it is now. And I'm not in a part of town I know. And we can't, we, I suggest one and, and, and there, we go there and, and turns out they were closed. And you know, my little GPS hadn't updated. And, and we, we, we go through this like series of 
doesn't work, doesn't work, try this, drive there. And, and it's this like just disjointed thing. We finally end up at this, like, like okay, there's a restaurant. Like, let's go eat. It was not good. Don't recommend it. Um, and I'm just such, I'm so frustrated. And I get in the car and we're gonna drive back home. And I come to an intersection that prior to that day, I had never in my life sat in that direction at that intersection in Atlanta. And I blink. Um, the next car is blue. And the next car is white. And the next song on the radio is this one. And the light's turning now. And I realize I'm in the middle of a dream that I had had 10 years prior I had woken up from a dream when we lived at 22 Jefferson Street in Burnsville, Mississippi, of that exact scene. And it freaked me out. Because I knew things. Just for a brief window of time, I knew what was coming next because I had seen it. This is, by the way, better than deja vu. Right? Deja vu is like, I think I've been here. This is like, I know when I dreamed it. I know where I woke up. And it dawned on me, I'm about to make a major shift in my life. I'm gonna quit my job to follow God. And God's telling me he's been carrying me by the Holy Spirit for 10 plus years in this direction. Wow. And it was a little bit scary, and yet at the same time, really encouraging. Because it dawned on me, I thought I was making all sorts of willy-nilly choices this morning, but apparently I'm being carried by the Holy Spirit. And I wished he'd have picked a better restaurant, but like, I'm really glad he's there. <laughs> Sorry, that was a free one. Every now and then I gotta do that. So one day Heather calls me. It's a few years back, Heather calls and she's like, hey, there's this very particular dietary supplement that I want you to buy. And I went online and I found a specific chiropractor that has it in stock. So you're driving to Snellville. And I'm like, okay. Right, we live in Peachtree Corners, not close. Okay. And, and, and I talked to her about it later and she's like, yeah, like when I did the search, I, for some reason I picked, what was it, the sixth? Like the sixth chiropractor down on the Google search. Nobody picks the sixth one down. Like this is weird, right? It's like going to page two. So as I'm driving there, I get off at Five Forks Trickham, and I'm, I'm like, I've been here before. And as I'm pulling into this chiropractor that I've never been to before, but did have the particular dietary supplement in stock, we, I was able to get it, we're good. It's like, this is really close to my friend's house. My friend that I have not seen or spoken to in four years. Huh, that's kind of fun. Wonder if he's home. So I buy the dietary supplement, and I take a left, and I take a left, and I take a left, and, and I find out that my friend's house shares a property line with that chiropractor. That's how close it is. And I pull into the driveway, and he walks out of his front door shaking his head at me. Because a disaster had happened in his life the day before, and he had prayed and asked God to send him somebody to help him through it. 
I didn't know any of that. Heather didn't know any of that. The chiropractors who were making choices about which dietary supplements to stock. Y'all with me? Whoa. And suddenly he's literally looking for help, asks God for help, and Heather needs supplements. Like, like that's how this stuff works sometimes. Because it's way bigger than you folks. And sometimes he needs you to play along and, go, and lean into the wind. And he'll carry you somewhere where ministry's gonna happen, where deliverance is gonna happen. He'll carry you somewhere where lost people are gonna meet Jesus and hurting people are gonna find hope. And it's bigger than you. And, and sometimes it's so subtle, you don't even know it's happening until it's over. I had no idea when I pulled up at his house God was doing any of this. I had no idea. I'm just along for the ride. I'm being carried by the Spirit. But that's the invitation. When you feel the nudge of the wind, just lean into him. Play along. He may ask you out of your comfort zone. True story, everything about what God's doing is bigger than your comfort zone. <laughs> everything is bigger than that. And he, he'll ask you to do, go talk to that person. You're like, I don't even know them. Yeah, but he may have been actually pulling centuries of details together to get to that guy. Yeah, wow. God is doing things in our world. The wind is blowing. So lean into it and catch a ride because he's doing stuff. This morning, um, as I told that story about that Ethiopian eunuch, the most unlikely of guys, I, I want you to know you you're actually more likely than he was and God sees you and loves you. And if you feel like you're far off, can I just tell you there's peace for you? And if you'll, if you'll come closer, God will welcome you with open arms. And you can have peace with your heavenly father that you've maybe never known your whole life long. This week, when you feel a nudge to go do something, I just wanna invite you, would you play along? Just for fun, would you just, just try it? When there's a word of knowledge that comes up here, and you're like, that kind of seems like that's for me. Don't pull a Russell Poland. <laughs> Respond to it. Lean into the wind and catch a ride. He'll take you somewhere fun. Amen. Lord, right now, would you work in us, through us, and no longer just in spite of us? God, would you let us be absolutely committed to joining you on a ride. A ride that brings hope, salvation, peace. God, we're your people. Here we are, Lord, we're, send us, because we're willing to be carried by your spirit so that your will can happen. Amen, amen.